0: Hey everyone, is there a looming childcare disaster on the horizon in our city and state due to a federal program? Plus, when will it be okay for Travis Scott to perform in Houston again? And things get emotional as we discuss Judge Hidalgo's mental health leave of absence. I break it all down with dynamic media personality Antrachelle Nova and Pulitzer Prize finalist Evan Mintz. (laughs) It's Friday, August 11th, 2023. I'm Raheel Ramzanli, and here's what Houston's talking about. Uh Uh-oh, it is time. Antra Shell, Evan, good morning. How's everybody doing? All right.
1: What's up? Good morning.
0: Okay, before we start with the news, I'm in back-to-school mode. My daughter just went back. She's a Fort Bend ISD student, so we started a little bit earlier. Mm A-Leaf ISD also I need to ask both of y'all. Okay, this is an important question. If you had to go back to school right now, what's your back to school first day of school outfit? Aunt Rochelle, what you rocking? Come on, (laughs)
1: listen. I'm going back to <laughs> high school, baby, because that's when I was really into my fits, myself. And so I was a um child of the 90s. So I'm going back to that classic 90s uh, uh, wide leg jean, you know, with a crop top. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. And I'm rocking the fro. They weren't rocking the fro's in the 90s. So I'm going to rock my Afro puff up top of my head. Yep. That's what I'm doing. Classic 90s style. I
0: like it. I like it. you rocking the jinkos. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Evan, how about you? What's your first day of school outfit if you had to go Uh, back today?
2: I don't even understand the question because I've always had uniforms. But I would wear the same thing over and over again. Blue polo shirt, khakis. That's it. And looking back on it, I had a little flexibility. I could have worn like an Oxford. I could have worn like a jacket with it, little sport coats. And like I could have, I could have, you know, like, Drip that up a little bit, and I didn't. And I should have gone just full Rushmore at the time when I had the opportunity to.
0: Gonna <laughs> dripped it up a little bit. Words I didn't expect coming out of Evan's mouth this morning, but I love it. This is the kind of show it's going to be. I'm so hyped. Okay, let's get this going. Answer, Shell, biggest story of the week. What do you got?
1: Man, listen, you know I have to be the one to do it. If somebody gonna do it, it gotta be me. Let's talk about it. Tori Lanez gets 10 years in prison for shooting Houston's own Meg the Stallion. Okay. So let's talk about it real quick. Let's get the background. Uh, a judge sentenced rapper Tory Lanez to 10 years in prison Tuesday for shooting and wounding hip-hop star Megan Thee Stallion in the feet, bringing a conclusion to a three-year legal and cultural saga that saw two careers and lives thrown into turmoil. I'm going to tell you this is a big story, but what's an even bigger Impact is the way that the internets have gone crazy. This has divided friends, this is divided partnerships, this has divided a culture because people are saying protect black women, and then some people are saying he shouldn't have gotten that much time, and it is gone mayhem for people's views on how they feel about the Tory Lanes and the Meg the Stallion case are you guys even involved or do you have an opinion on this
0: oh i do for sure it was wild Mm -hmm. i remember when the story Mm -hmm. broke and everyone immediately thought oh meg is lying this doesn't make sense and that just kind of goes to the hip-hop culture about not believing women and almost treating them like second-class citizens and then after that as well meg talked about this in uh, one of her statements tori was paying bloggers Mm -hmm to disseminate false information about the incident. Um, So it was wild. And even Meg came out and said, like, at first she was so afraid to talk about what happened, she told authorities that she just stepped on glass. And there was rumors out there that Tori offered a million dollars to her. And I think there was one more person in the car Mm -hmm. to not say anything about the incident. So... It, it was a mess. And you're right. It became a cultural war, not only yesterday, but also just throughout the last three years about who's right, who's wrong, uh, how women are treated in hip hop. And there's just so many layers to this. But man, what a story.
1: It's a terrible story. And like it stated, these were two two young stars at the time. Just think about it. Three years ago, they were both in flourishing careers. And I just still remember the footage of her jumping out the car with her hands up, right? Because the police are now involved and she's limping. And it's like, oh my gosh, what the heck is happening? Of course, everybody thought this was the end of Meg, but as we see, she's flourished and it's very difficult to discuss because of the hip-hop culture and how it affects us. But I'm just really surprised at all of the backlash mm-hmm. that's going back and forth.
2: Mm-hmm. Now I'm just glad to see someone face adequate consequences for being reckless, even gleefully reckless with firearms. And I don't view this as just a hip-hop thing. I view this as an American thing. Mm-hmm. Like, there are really people out there all across the political spectrum, every single demographic, who look at guns as like this fun thing they get to play with. They don't treat it with the responsibility that it demands. And I think that it's good when you see someone who hurts other people with guns, who acts recklessly with guns, that there are consequences under the criminal justice system. Whether 10 years is too much, I mean, a lot of people don't serve their full senses. You get good time, you get probation, and that's kind of what you hope to see in things like this. You want there to be discretion so that people who really don't need to be behind bars can get out early, but people who really do need to be behind bars. Have to stay there. Mm
0: -hmm. How about you, Andrew Shells? 10 years too much?
1: I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to say that it's not too much, but I am going to agree that he needs some time. Because that was Mm disgusting disgusting and just the manner mm-hmm. that he handled it. it 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 was it was the way that he handled it like you said he gloated mm-hmm. and i'm not i want to yeah. make sure that i am not saying he did this i wasn't there but i want to say i was disgusted at the manner in which it was handled i am disgusted at the comments that were mm-hmm. um, done because that was this is an unfortunate situation for everybody involved but I, I thought a little humility like as Meg stated i showed no mercy for him him because he spread slander to anybody who would listen and she said nothing. And I feel bad mm-hmm. for everybody. I, I feel bad for her. I feel bad for him, too, because he is also a father. And now these children are going to be without their dad for 10 years. Mm. Mm-hmm. So sad.
2: But he's just totally unapologetic Absolutely. about it throughout. It's not as if he did this and was like, oh, my God, what did I do? I was so caught up in the heat of the moment. No, throughout it, just kind of justifying his behavior. Yep. That's the part that really gets to me. All right, Evan, let's go with you. What is your biggest story of the week? The biggest story of the week, this may be one of the biggest stories of the year, is that Harris County Judge Lena Hidalgo has stepped down from office temporarily as she has checked herself into a mental health inpatient care out of state for treatment for depression. And it turns out she's actually been there since late July. This is incredible. This feels like something out of a West Wing plot, specifically the terrible season four finale where President Bartlett has to step down because his daughter's been kidnapped and then like the Republican Speaker of the House fills in. And it was awful. But this is real life. And it's good on one hand, I think, to see this public discussion and recognition about the need for mental health services treating it on the same level we treat physical health, and it's certainly better than the alternative of having just a bunch of, like, alcoholic politicians. But two things stand out to me. One is that this feels like a while in the making. I mean, Judge Hidalgo got elected with no experience in the public light. She became a political celebrity overnight and a target for Republican ire. And you can tell it got under her skin. You're never supposed to let them see you sweat. Otherwise, it just reinforces that behavior. And she did sweat a lot. She was sniping in other politicians, dropping F-bombs on commissioner's court, going out of town for triathlons while avoiding local appearances. You got to have a thick skin in this game. You got to have steely bones. You got to have ice in your veins. And it just wasn't there. The second thing is that while she is out, Commissioner Rodney Ellis, the longest standing member of commissioner's court, is going to take over her duties while she's away. And this feels like For another TV reference, a Game of Thrones moment. I mean, Rodney Ellis has been in politics for decades. He was elected to city council in 1983, and then the state senate, and then commissioner's court. And he wasn't even first elected to commissioner's court. He was appointed by precinct chairs after his predecessor died. I mean, this man hasn't run a really competitive race in decades. And sometimes he finds himself at the top like this. I mean, chaos is a ladder. So I am glad the judge is getting help. I'm glad we're not afraid to talk about mental health issues. And hopefully this will be a good example for others. But the politics are weird.
1: You know, guys, this story broke my heart because as a woman of color in a high position, this affected me deeply because Mm -hmm. I was, and and excuse me for getting emotional, when they came out with that, the first thing I said was, oh, no, because we are not allowed. We are not allowed to fall apart publicly. We are not allowed mm-hmm. to show that we are human. We are not allowed. We are not allowed to break under pressure. We are supposed to be tough. Thick skin and nothing is supposed to affect us and it it, it affected her. I am happy that she is getting help, but I am so sad for her because as a woman of color in a high position, I know she is in the background saying like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did this. That's a whole nother war that's going on in her mm-hmm. mind that nobody will ever be able to understand. And like you said, Evan, I think this, ha- this has been going on for a long time. And she has yeah. fought it. She has mm-hmm. fought so hard. Yeah.
0: You know, the one thing I did appreciate, and maybe it's the people I follow, and of course, you saw some criticism, but for the most part, everyone was very supportive, and Mm -hmm. I think we as a society have shifted our views on mental health and being able to get help, and I understand, like, this is a high-profile position, and, you know, some people, again, you're going to have pundits on the other side saying some things that are mean, but for the most part, it felt like everybody was hey, this is great. This is good that you're getting your help and that you're treating this and you're not just putting this aside. So it was good to see that.
2: No, I was glad to see, you know, for the most part, Republicans saying this is good. You know, everybody needs mental health treatment. We hope she gets the help that she needs. You had your trolls and snipes or snipers, but, you know, the big names out there were saying what needed to be said. Now, I'm going to add something controversial to this, which is that I don't think any politician is entitled to their seat. And I've always said that if a politician starts to get in the hot water, the best thing they should do is just step down and let someone else step in. You know, it's good to have fresh blood in there. If people aren't up for the task because they're tough jobs, you know, let someone else in. And so I really am going to say that if Lena Dalgo needs to step down, there is nothing wrong with that either. You know, we anyone can hold these roles. It doesn't have to be just one person.
0: Perfectly said. Okay, my biggest story of the week, and this is something that we've talked about before and last week you talked about it, Evan. City budgets and programs are going to have some issues coming up as federal dollars dry up from the CARES Act and one of the first businesses being hit right now, child care. Now, childcare is going to be facing some tough decisions and we could see closures across the state because more than $4 billion in federal aid were passed down to childcare centers and most of it went to help pay for wages, utilities, and other expenses. Now, the big issue is the workforce because daycares usually pay between 9 to $12 an hour, while other service-oriented businesses like restaurants, buc go between $12 and $18. So, Earlier this year, State Rep. Armando Wally tried to help out by trying to get an additional $2 billion in state funding approved uh, with the new budget so that child care centers could stay open and float. But now we're expecting about 40% of them to close across Texas. And this Mm -hmm. could be one of the first dominoes to fall from all this federal aid money that was flowing. Evan, are we in for a crazy ride here?
2: Oh, child care costs. Have been exploding in america uh, and i think it really is a barrier for a lot of families uh, but we are seeing the state trying to take some steps to do something that you're going to see on the ballot in november a referendum to cut property taxes for buildings that house child care centers so that seems like something that could help i also think we need to look with some scrutiny at the regulations around labor issues in child care centers often in attempts to make sure these places are safe and to the highest regard we say well there have, can only be so many students per supervisor, we say that people who work there have to have certain certifications, certain education levels. I'm not convinced that these standards actually make things better or safer. You know, does it have to be a four to one ratio, five to one ratio? What are the best practices? I don't think there's a lot of rigorous evidence around that. Same with demanding that people who work there have you know bachelor's degrees or even master's degrees. Is that really necessary? Uh, We should be looking at whatever it takes to make sure that people have access to childcare You know, largely because I think that people need to go out and work. Like they need to go do jobs. It used to be that if someone in the family stayed at home and someone else went out and worked, like the marginal economic value you'd get from working really was not over replacement. It would not pay for the childcare you have to do. But these days, you know, women are making as much, if not more, than men in certain fields. They're climbing the economic ladder. You're seeing more women in college now. So this idea of having like this outdated, breadwinner, homemaker model just doesn't make economic sense.
1: Mm-hmm. And another thing, you guys, gone are the days where grandmother took care of the children while the mother went in and, and got her education mm-hmm. or went to work. Grandmother don't look like grandmother no more. is <laughs> hot, young, and popping, okay? <laughs> and it's like, can we blame granny? You know, all of the, our familiar roles are changing, ever changing. Women have evolved. And this is very sad that we're losing these daycares because it's like, now are we going to be forced to go back to being at home? You know, are the work from home jobs going to be a little more lenient? I'm going to tell you, they're not. They don't care. Mm-hmm. Well, during the pandemic, I loved calling my son, who was two at the time, my young coworker, but I was in management, <laughs> right? So I welcomed, you know, uh, my coworker and everyone else who was working at home to bring their coworkers in the space, but not everybody welcomed that. And we have to understand that our world has changed. I hate that the daycares and childcare is is at the center of it. but what what are we gonna do?
0: Yeah and mm-hmm. then to add another layer, it's not even about like the woman wanting to work. it's the woman in the relationship or any partner in a relationship having to work because of the economy. It's hard Mm -hmm. to live anywhere now because of uh, affordability rates, because of the economy, all that stuff. So you have to have a two income household now. So Mm -hmm. that adds another layer. Now, as if this is true, 40% could close. I mean, we're going to see that there's going to be less spots. Demand is going to go up. People are still having kids. It's going to be mayhem and it's already mayhem having gone through this with a 10 month old trying to get her into daycare you are on waiting lists you can't find places so this is going to be crazy so this could be the first domino to fall but this isn't the only one and that's why i wanted to bring the story up we're in Mm -hmm. for a wild ride because that free money you know what? It's this drying up.
1: But listen, bring the chair into my house, okay? Listen, we're going to have a good time. We're going to play tambourines, flutes, baracas, um, and I'll feed them. But that's it. I can only take yep. 25. That's it.
0: <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> All right, Aunt Trichelle, let's go to your most overlooked story of the week. What was it?
1: So my most overlooked story is actually an update. It's an update to our Hamburger Mary's story. If you remember about two weeks ago, uh, two Baytown teachers lost their job for coming here to Houston to go to a Hamburger Mary's drag show. Well, uh, these two women worked at a Christian school and a part of their guidelines in their code of conduct handbook, they were to always act godly. And going to a drag show was not a part of their contract and they have lost their job. I am happy to report that uh, the queens at Hamburger Mary's have joined forces and banded together and they had a benefit show for Christy and Nancy and they had a time now because the ladies would like to remain some things private they are not disclosing the amount of money that they raised for them but they were looking good they did their hair their makeup they dressed and baby they was looking good they was some hot looking teachers okay but they That's had a good awesome. time and everybody came out in full support of Christy and Nancy and it turns out this story is actually having a happier ending after all
0: There you go. And they had the GoFundMe as Uh well. So they were close to retirement age. This is the best thing that could happen to them. And now they're enjoying the fruits of their labor and for being nice and kind people. There you go. Yeah. All right, Evan, how about you? What was your most overlooked story of the
2: week? My most overlooked story of the week was a report by the Huffington Post about Richard Hanania, who is a visiting scholar at the University of Texas. Turns out Richard spent a good couple years writing under a pen name, Richard Host, where he identified himself as a race realist. He expressed support for eugenics, the forced sterilization of low IQ people, who he argued were mostly black, and opposed the miscegenation and race mixing, and once argued that while black people cannot govern themselves, and cited the neo-Nazi author of the Turner Diaries, He wrote for anti-Semitic outlets like the Occidental Observer, a site that once argued Jews are trying to exterminate white Americans, and he wrote for Countercurrents, which advocates for creating a whites-only ethno-state. The list goes on about the terrible, awful, reprehensible public positions he's taken. And once exposed, Richard wrote a little essay saying that, well, he's changed and he's not that guy anymore, but the fact of the matter is he's still writing racist stuff now. He's still writing just the other month that a college African-American studies department should be run by, quote, street hustlers and illiterates. In May, he tweeted that, quote, we need more black policing, incarceration and surveillance of black people, lamenting that blacks won't appreciate it. Whites don't have the stomach for it in defense of a wildly misleading and racial chart about interracial crime. Meanwhile, other uh, faculty in Texas public universities are being pulled out of their positions and forced to sue the state after coming under scrutiny for the grave sins of lightly critiquing elected officials or supporting diversity in journalism. And, And at the end, what does this richer guy actually add to the University of Texas? Where's the research, if he really cares about these racial issues? Where are the randomized controlled trials to improve outcomes? For some reason in society today, we seem to think there's something brave and shocking and insightful about being just a straight up racist. No, this is not someone who we should be supporting their taxpayer dollars. This is not someone we want associated with our top universities in the state. This is not someone we should put up with to have any place in polite society. It's a straight up bigot. Get him out. Hmm.
1: Get him out, child. Come on, Evan. You was preaching, baby. That was good.
0: Evan, what do you think happens? Will the University of Texas do anything and actually remove him? I don't think so.
1: That is sick. This is 2023, y'all. Come on.
2: It is shocking. It really is. Like the standards of scrutiny for boring white guys are like below the floor. That is how low the bar is. What do you have to do for people to say, we don't want to be associated with mm-hmm. this. This is disgusting. This is not something that we want to see. We're not saying you should go to jail. We're not saying you should go to prison. You've got your free speech, but we don't have to hire you. Absolutely. Yep.
1: You just don't have yep. to be here. Thing. You can yep. say what you want, but mm-hmm. say it over there. I agree.
2: Yeah.
0: Wow. Just wow. Okay. I'm going to move to my most overlooked story because there is a little public battle brewing because of Travis Scott. Now, Travis Scott is going to be performing in Houston at Toyota Center for the first time since the Astroworld tragedy uh, almost 2 years ago now. Now, this is causing a big debate amongst fans and Houstonians, but it's also getting spicy between Mayor Turner because Mayor Turner's on the side of letting the concert go on because it's at Toyota Center. It's a different setup. It's not like a festival setup where it's just everyone standing. You do have seats. Now, I'm sure there's going to be floor seats and that's where There's going to be a lot of raging going on as Travis still does at his concerts. Now, I know Mayor Turner is for it, but Houston Police Officers Union, they are not happy. They're saying this needs to stop and they are urging the city to stop the show. So what's going to end up happening here? Are we going to get a big public debate because of Travis Scott? And my next question for you is, when can he perform? Is there a time, like, is it four years from now? Is it five years from now that the union's going to be okay with Travis Scott performing? I I don't know. This is weird.
2: I I mean, I usually think that the the police union is political actors and they engage in partisan rhetoric. I I look more of leadership from the police chief. That being said, this is a guy whose, I think, reckless behavior endangered people's lives and led to the deaths of people. He should have stopped the concert. He didn't. And now we're welcoming him back into the city. I don't know.
0: To add a little bit more drama to this, we still have lawsuits going on between Travis Scott and Live Nation and the families of the concert goers who died at the Astroworld concert. So we've got that going on. We're getting reports about how Apple Music said, hey, if you finish this concert, it, if there was a clause in there, you get $4.5 million. Mm-hmm. Um, there was. There's just so many different layers to this. Andrew Shell, your thoughts?
1: Y'all, this is messy. First of all, the incident happened in his hometown second of all he's trying to come back and and this is still at the house I don't know this is so ugly because it's like y'all are we mad at him or are we mad at the culture that he brings with him you know the the mosh environment the raging environment where's our anger right because people yes people have died but Like, how how long is he going to have to suffer for this? Like, it's so messy. There's so many layers to this. Mm -hmm. And like you said, if we're not going to allow him to perform this time, when? When will he be able to do this? How much time is enough time?
2: That's a good question. And, you know, I don't think this is a guy who should be, like, totally banned from society. I want to see these lawsuits play themselves out, though. And that recent reporting... I think, on the Apple contract is something that adds a wrinkle to the behavior. Did he just not know what was going on? Was he ignorant about it? Right. Uh, or did he know what was going on, saw dollar signs, and kept going? And more and more from the reporting I'm seeing, it seems like he could he could have known, he should have known, he probably did know, and he just kind of kept going. I think yeah. that is inappropriate behavior. The extent to which the city like has any sway to say, like, well, you can't come into our city, you can't you know, perform here. You know, I, I think the the mayor's hands are kind of tied on that. But you can definitely put out some rhetoric and say that you know, he has not uh, lived up to the standard we wanted at the time. And he hasn't done it since. People should be able to rage and mosh and have fun at a concert and still stay safe. Absolutely. And Scott's camp has
0: said that they had no power to cancel the concert. You know, they they're still saying that. So, take it for what it is. I'm just telling you that and just reporting what they've been saying. All right, let's get to our moment of joy intro show. We need some joy here. This has been a heavy episode <laughs> and I like it, but I need some mm-hmm. joy. What do you got for us?
1: So listen. Y'all know what it is. Waterburger still remains Texas' favorite burger chain. know, I'm so happy about this because they were uh, sold to a Chicago company, but they still are Texas' favorite burger. And I'm happy about that because we were we just talking about bringing the Oilers back or things. Something's just to remain here <laughs> at home. And this is something that should have remained at home. But I'm glad we're still loyal to the Texas chain and we still eat no water burgers. How do you like your water burger? I like mine with cheese, no pickles, extra mayo, no lettuce, no tomatoes, just meat, cheese, bun and onions. Toast it. I like
0: getting mine in less than 30 minutes. I <laughs> I cannot stand Whataburger. I've been a, I've right. done this rant so many yes, times. We, rant, yeah. we heard I've it. I've done this so much. Yeah. I, great. Congratulations, guys. We're cheap. We just don't know any better.
2: Come now, on. I think there is something interesting about like these Texas brands that have done a good job of uh, really getting the love and care of people who live here because they slap the outline of the Texas state on everything but they're owned by investors in Chicago. Like, is yeah. this really Texas? It's like, how cheap of a date are we that like, oh, Texas shape, like we love it now. I remember even during like the 2016 election, the researchers found that a whole bunch of like troll farms in Europe made these Facebook pages called In Love With Texas Shape, where they are just like, Post pig, uh, shapes of Texas, like pictures of things shaped like Texas, a pool, a cheeseburger, whatever. And people would eat that shit up. And then you'd have a post about be like, elections are a aligned. Democracy is bad. Like It's just the nuttiest <laughs> stuff. We got to like have a little dignity here and say that like we're not just as go for anyone who like is so like slobbers over us like that. Come on.
1: Ooh, y'all taking Come on oh, yeah. take it by joy.
2: That said, I love Whataburger. Whataburger is great. It's delicious. <laughs>
0: Here are Texas companies we should be celebrating, and they're awesome, and their service is great. HEB, celebrate H-E-B, it. Yes. Absolutely. Bucky's, celebrate it. I love it. And I know Chick fil A is not from here, but Chick fil A is everything we think Whataburger is because they have great service. Their food is always on point, they're consistent. Whataburger isn't that anymore. There was a time when Whataburger ruled, and it was awesome. They're not the same anymore. It's just, we don't know any better. We're a cheap date, as Evan <laughs> said. Thank you, Evan Mintz. Thank y'all for
1: putting Evan. mud hey, hey, hey. in my don't, ice don't, cream.
2: Don't put, word, don't put words in my mouth. Like, is good. Like, I, I love that. It's great. Um, But yeah, I like it because I think it's a good burger, not because it's got like text on it. You could put like Idaho on the side and be like, I don't know, these Idaho burgers are pretty good. good."
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. What was your moment of joy, Evan?
2: My moment of joy, this actually is something that I just caught in the news like last night. Bloomberg had a story all about how Minneapolis has tackled inflation, has like really handled inflation well because they've upzoned their whole region, made it a whole lot easier to build duplexes and quadplexes and additional domestic units and like really cut through a lot of the red tape of zoning uh, so that you kept housing prices low, rent prices low. But as you dive into the story, they kind of have a graph of inflation rates in all of all these major cities. And what do you know? Houston's inflation rate is actually lower than Minneapolis, the star of the story. Now, mm. we don't do it for the praise. We don't do it for the headlines. We've had the right model for decades, which is that if you want to build a home, you can build a home. We're not going to make it tough for you. We're not going to have zoning. So it just brings a smile to my face to see this hidden recognition that Houston has been doing right for years.
0: Love that. Love that. I'm going to quickly get to my moment of joy, Evan. And I think you're going to appreciate this. And so will you, Antrachelle. I want to give some love to Chris Tomlinson, who is writing a four-part series into what really happened during Winter Storm Uri. And first part of that series published yesterday and explains how loosely regulated pipeline companies throughout Texas triggered the blackouts. And of course, that led to deaths. And because of greed. You know, they manipulated prices for profit. We all struggled and we're still paying for it, by the way. And this brings me joy, not because of what happened, but it brings me joy that. As journalists, they're not moving on. Nobody's moving on from this. And Chris is like, no, we're going to report on this. We're going to find out what's happening. And he's tracking these lawsuits that are suing these companies that are alleging that they are the reason we all suffered. And I hope there is some payback here because I am tired of paying for what happened because of their greed. So, I, you know, it just brought a lot of uh, happiness in my heart to see that reporting that nobody's moving on and we still want the truth and we want answers.
2: Mm hmm. This is really great reporting. And I'm so glad that they are not letting go of the story because I hear too much partisan rhetoric, too much political rhetoric from folks saying, oh, it was the fault of renewables. It was the fault of solar and wind. Like, look how little they're producing. No, nobody expected wind and solar to show up on these dates. And that ERCOT was supposed to have planned for that. But they showed up above where they're expected anyways and saved our butts in a lot of places. Meanwhile, it's the thermals, it's the gas folks who are supposed to produce and didn't. Like, it's as if you were expecting, you know, the night shift team to show up. They didn't do it. Everything goes to poop. And then you're like, oh, well, where is the morning crew? Morning crew wasn't supposed to be there. Right. Yep. Yep. So it's really good reporting.
0: And again, all of the stories that we've talked about, including this one, they are linked in our show notes. So please spend some time and read a little bit more. Andrew Shell, Evan, thank you so much. That was a lot of fun. I'll talk to you down the road.
1: Yep. That was fun. Have a great weekend.
0: Chat with y'all later. That was Andrew Shell Nova and Evan Mintz. You can follow both of them on X. Okay. I'm not calling it that. It's called Twitter. Follow them on Twitter. I've got the links in our show notes. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter, Hey Houston, at Houston.Citycast.FM. Brooke Lewis is putting out amazing stuff, so please go subscribe. That will do it for this week here on Citycast Houston. Our lead producer is Dina Kespa, our producer is Carleon Jones, our newsletter editor is Brooke Lewis, and the host is me, Rahil Ramzanoli. Our music is by the band, All The Kimonos. We'll be back on Monday with a look at the affordability crisis in Houston. Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something new.
1: I was in my car, headed to the airport to go to Miami, and I grabbed my passport and opened it up and said, expired? Oh! Oh, well here's my birth certificate. Pulled it out. It was trash. Somewhere along the years, I removed my <laughs> my birth certificate out of my passport holder and it was it was intense.